0: Hello everybody, welcome on the Lights On Data Show. Today we're going to approach a real case study, one on really enhancing data discovery and literacy within FinTech. And to do so, we have two amazing guests with us, Lucia Arnando and Sharad Varshni.
1: And I have the pleasure of introducing Lucia, who is the first time here, whereas Sharad is already a long time friend. Lucia Arando is from Argentina. She's a software engineer. After 10 years of experience in software development engineering in different industries, she decided to step out of her comfort zone and immerse in the rising data governance field. Currently, she leads the data management team at Naranja X as part of the Center of Expertise of Big Data and Advanced Analytics. She is responsible for, for data governance and data quality programs, as well as for data compliance, innovating a data leadership framework as to get the most of their data assets and democratize its access to the whole company. Welcome, Lucia.
2: Thank you, thank you, Diana, for the introduction and for having me. I'm very happy
1: to be with you today. And we are very happy to have you.
0: And of course, our second guest, you you must know him if you're working in data management, data governance. And if you don't, well, his name is Sharad Varshney, and he's an ace technologist turned entrepreneur. Technology headlines actually put him in a list of top 50 successful Indian entrepreneurs in the US, and he has founded Ovaledge to blend his unique experience in big data technology and process management into creating a much needed data management product. And before founding Ovaledge, actually he was a principal architect at the innovative software firm that you might have heard of called Hortonworks, now merged with Cloudera. And he has also a nuclear engineering degree from Mm -hmm. IIT, which is a premier institute of technology in India. Welcome, Sharad.
3: Thank you, George. Thank you for having me. uh, I'm really excited for this conversation when Lucia is here. It will be just so much fun and practical implementation. We always talk about theory a lot, but now we will see that real practical implementation and hopefully it will be insightful for a lot of audience.
0: Absolutely. We're we're looking forward to see how an actual company has evolved in their data governance journey and embracing data literacy and data discovery and what others can learn from it, and I think a lot of organizations, a lot of data professionals can learn from Naranja X's journey.
1: And talking about Naranja X, I think the biggest what's new for me for this for the show for, for everyone listening is that it's going to be very practical so how can how can oval edge help a company uh, transform from that perspective so that being said lucia tell us a little bit about naranja x which uh, is from argentina it has a very beautiful name a very joyful color as well what can you tell us about
2: it Okay. Okay. Sure. So Naranja X was founded in Córdoba, Argentina. That is the mm-hmm. place where actually I live 37 years ago. It started with two entrepreneurs selling apparel, accessories and sports equipment until they consolidated as a leader brand in the sports industry. With the constant transformation, they reinvented themselves as the number one credit card in Argentina. Wow. So wow. Naranja X today, it's a company that provides financial services. Uh, to enhance the use of the money. Okay. And we basically provide services related to money management, such as accounts, prepaid cards, credit cards, loans, et cetera. And just to give you a, a dimension to you and the audience, every month, over 5.5 million customers interact with our ecosystem. We have 170 branches across the, the country. It's a company with more than 3000 employees and we have more than 10 million cards in the market. So wow. just to give some context. <laughs>
0: You're serving a lot of customers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Those are amazing stats. Congratulations.
0: And of course, data plays a, a critical role in in your company's journey. And uh, we do have a... First question here from Ravid that I want to take is how important is data literacy for organizations today? Okay.
2: For for me, it's it's the the main uh, advantage Uh, you will not survive if you not evolutionize your capability to to speak with data, basically. Mm -hmm. For example, in in, in our company, we are trying to to revolutionize the world fintech with a very strong customer centric approach. Mm -hmm. And we are convinced that will only be available or or possible through data. And how you democratize access to data through data governance programs. So that's why mainly I I always repeat that data data governance is actually an enabler of a data culture in an organization. And it's absolutely necessary.
0: Fully agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's start at the beginning. How was Narana X... Before Oval Edge, what was the status of data governance, its data management program, data literacy overall?
2: Yes, that, that's a good question because it has been a long journey and a tough one. But first thing first, we first uh, start defining our data governance framework, including developing policies, processes, procedures, standards. Okay, uh, which are going to be our roles and responsibilities? Who is going to do what? Identifying our industry standards and how we are going to do metadata management, how we are going to apply data security in terms to guarantee that the correct people access to the correct data for the correct purpose. So this, as you well know, it's it's not from one day to another. So I, I have an image, if I can share it, I don't know if you confirm that you are, are currently I think that this image that summarizes what our evolution was. So the first stage is chaos. It's uh, no one knew what data we had, what it meant, who was responsible for that. The following stage is what I call uh, relationship networking. It's when people start to connect with people mm-hmm. that knew about the data you needed. You know, mm-hmm. and. And then data governance uh, was created, standardized in the company. We started to um, to aggregate all our data in domains and subdomains. A domain could be customers, and a subdomain could be uh, customers' contact information, such as email, telephones. And then we develop our unique data dictionary that actually determines uh, what metadata, technical and business, uh, we will collect. So, and guess what we use for that. Excel, of course. (laughs) We use uh, Excel sheets to track, monitor, and and manage all our metadata. The problem is that as data that needs to be governed increased, Excel became just unfit for that purpose. And that's Mm -hmm. when we chose to move forward to Power BI that provides a vast table to input data and a search box to scour domains for metadata. So although Power BI has been a, a very lift forward from Excel, we still do a lot of manual tasks. So that was the, the inflection point that we say uh, when we decided to, to move forward to a tool, to a specific data governance tool, and that's how we, we picked Ovalit as our tool.
0: How many data domains would, does X have right now?
2: We have, currently we had 25 domains, but if we count the subdomains, we are more than 200.
0: That's uh, a lot for sure. And I assume you can do everything in Excel at one point.
2: No, it's good for the beginning because as I always mentioned uh, before a tool, you need to have like your processes in place and your framework, and then just pick the best tool that adapts to your processes and your state of art.
1: So more concretely, what were the drivers to increase the maturity of data governance?
2: Okay, one I already mentioned in the first question for the the audience that it was like we have an organizational strategy to become data driven. And if we want to be data driven, everyone in the company must have access to, to the data, understand it and use it correctly, and that it's only possible with, with data governance. So another driver was that people uh, don't use what they don't even know if it exists. So we needed a front, uh, front desk for our data lake. So we invest a lot of money in technology in our data lake, but uh, we need a front end uh, just to people find what they need and to explore new opportunities also. And we need it in a fast and very easy way. So mm-hmm. that was another driver. On the other perspective, we based our data governance program uh, through data stewardship. And with that in mind, we need to keep our data stewards really engaged. And it was necessary to have a data catalog just to activate and formalize the accountability from them because that is when they realize or they understand why they're doing, what mm-hmm. the reasons that they are doing. for. And lastly, that I, a little bit mentioned when I talk about our evolution, it's the automation, automatization, right? It's before uh, going with the tool, we gather all the technical metadata manually, let's say. So besides the very complex process, data become outdated very, very fast. So mm-hmm. we need definitely to automatize that uh, if we want it to, to move forward. Mm-hmm. So that work, that are the main drivers, I, I believe.
0: You know, when I hear organizations talk about their drivers, often they put the carrot in the stick and a lot more times you hear about the stick. We're going to be fine if we're not going to, we're going <laughs> to maybe go to jail. We're going you know, right, to get some really big fines uh, if we're not compliant to our regulations. Yes, but what is
2: the best one that you can expect if the only driver are regulations? The best you can ever hope to, to reach is to be compliant. Yes. For me, that is boring. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I, I prefer to go forward and to align with the uh, business strategy.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's the the way to go and one of the keys to success but at the same time, I feel it's challenging. It's really challenging to gain that support and to mention that, hey, this is what we want to do and how to get our leaders on board. So how was support gained to invest in a tool that at one point you realize, okay, we can't handle everything in Excel anymore. And I think a lot of organizations and people here can relate to this. Mm-hmm. What was that message given to leadership or what was the business case to gain that support?
2: It, it, it's a good question. I think that people tend to avoid what they don't understand. So mm-hmm. the first thing that you should guarantee is that people understand the why mm-hmm. data governance, why that will solve any of my problems. Don't go with the technical, automation, uh, metadata, because there is not the way. So I, I think that a good approach is to empathize with the, their daily data problems and start from there. And if you allow me, I I I brought uh, just a, just to make my point, but uh, a situation or any scenario that is commonly in the in the organizations. But let's think about George, right? George uh, works in the marketing team, and he starts working on Monday and asks himself, okay, I would love to know what are the number of new accounts in the last month. It's like a basic KPI, right? He doesn't know where to start, so he throws the the question uh, into slack in a channel where there are 300 employees there hoping that uh, someone answers okay so he waits and uh, one soul answer him indicated that diana works with that data that can uh, perhaps she can help him george is redirected for the first time so george automatically sent a direct message to diana asking for the second time this, the same question okay and Diana, lastly, redirect them uh, him again because he only had the information about the online journey, right? So half, half of, the, of the data that, that George needed, and he, she suggested to ask the data team. So George asked to the data team, and the data team indicates the table's name, where that data is, and also the link to access the data lake. So George starts to, to feel very anxious because he's looking like light. Uh, at the end of the tunnel. right? (laughs) But when he clicks on the link to access the data lake, oh my god, access denied. The annoying message of you have not access to to this uh, resource. So again, George sent an SOS message into Slack asking for how can I get access to our data lake, please. So he waits again until, okay, finally they give them uh, the the access to the data lake he access the table and starts seeing columns like, okay, uh, activation date, onboarding date, creation. He starts uh, asking himself, okay, what this means? Uh, which date I should consider <laughs> for my for my paper? Right. So again, he finally starts searching and hunting a subject matter experts into the organization that can help him, and again ends up in the big data team or data team that can give him all the context and the metadata, basically, to answer the question. So uh, finally we are at Friday and George starts working.
1: So uh, this
2: is uh, of course a a parody, of course, but how many Georges do do we have in the companies? And I think that this is a, a very common scenario and a way to empathize and show to, to, to our sponsors what is happening and how and efficient uh, we are uh, with this situation so
1: just to give you an idea
0: no thank you so much for sharing that visual it was i think i can still relate to it it's a long winding road and it's a lot about the people that you know in the company the more people that you know the better for you because you know who to ask it's a lot of bureaucracy it takes a lot of time like you described in this case to get access And I'm reading a lot of articles on the topic, and a lot of them are mentioning that data accessibility, data discoverability, it's really one of the longest time frames to take and so much time wasted to -hmm. go through this process. and So many inefficiencies are created because of it. And of course, at the end, you also don't know once that's been given access to, well, who's accessing it? What for, it's hard to keep track of all of these and for how long exactly. There are so many implications on this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sharad, I wonder how does Edge come into play here? How would it help a company like X?
3: So I think that before, I will give you one more example than this, because it's so funny, I was at uh, one of the largest top four company working as a consultant. Used to charge something like. $400 $400 an hour for my raid because I was the architect, right? A super mm-hmm. architect at that time frame, And I was supposed to start the work next day and they said, okay, we need a data to start the working for the, whatever the use case was. Oh, okay. We will get it. So tomorrow, okay, that's fine. So we started looking for it. They started looking for it internally. They, they, they created the project. They need the work. They hired us a um, bunch of people and not only me, there are five people of us. They hired five of us to start working and they didn't have access to it. And you imagine the $400 an hour multiplied by five, multiplied by, and it's getting multiplied. It said, oh, okay. Finally, there is a person after three days, they know that who is the person who can give us access. Okay. So after three days, there was a, a DBA who could have given, given us access to it, but it her, his backlog was long. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't care that how much this project is getting charged. He was like, oh, okay. Like I have my to-do list. I will go based on that. And he was going into his to-do list and it took us because we needed a data. We were an outside consultant. So they need to obfuscate that data. So they said, oh, they need to obfuscate this data. It will take you a long time. So how long? So they were just negotiating and our billing is rate is just going. And we, and you know, we were a consultant. We are supposed to do something. So we found some other work here and there, like to justify that, yes, we were there. But frankly speaking, this is how it works in the real practice. It took us one and a half month before we get to the access to the data. And, and you can imagine that the counter is, (laughs) is this doing. So it is the exact number. Like I, I, that's the, that light bulb I throw to me. Like why it takes that long and it was like a global company. Top five com- global companies in, in tax fields, and they just didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So it is the the nature of the business is like that that the most companies do not have this program. In Oval it's the we what we did is we combined the data access management capability, data literacy capability, as well as all these capabilities into it. So people can discover the data by themselves, so they can find so that before they can find they need to assign the roles and responsibility there is a there's a program need to be assigned so who owns what kind of data so you assign that person and then after that once you know that okay you are searching by themselves like a google search you search it you find the table or the report whatever you're looking for and you thought, oh okay this is this particular table and who owns this table and once this information is easy, then after that, that, oh, okay, I need to request access from this particular table and mm-hmm. you press the button there and you get access and that you get workflows and everything is automated and integrated. So maybe next day you will get access to the table rather than waiting for 10 days or one a month and a month. So it is the integrated experience, which allow you to do that. And it's, it's a, not only the tool, but there is a program you run in. And before that is, it's equally important. You identify the right people. To put it the proper roles and responsibility in place as well. And as well as you put a proper description of the table as well. So suppose mm-hmm. the table name is T, because as a developer writes most of the table, T A B or something like that. If you the table name is that way, is and doesn't have the right descriptions, then also it would be the same. It it will only solve a little bit problem, not solve the entire problem. So mm-hmm. there is a the process which you need to go through it, like writing the proper descriptions, writing the proper domain information about it, like keeping the data literacy turned on, as well as assigning the roles and responsibility. And then putting everything together in an integrated tool can give you that experience much easier.
0: Thank you, Sharad. And I have a question, a follow-up question for you and Lucia. Do you start then identifying those data owners at that data domain level? up first and then you move down all the way to the table or do you start from the bottom up table level and then you work out and see what domain they they take part of and who the owner should be there or it's a mix between the two
2: I, i think it's a mix in our case we 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 are driven or triggered by use cases mainly our use cases are from advanced analytics because we are within a center of expertise of big data and advanced analytics let's say Let's think that they, they, we are going to develop a fraud detection model. And so we start thinking, hunting or search, which data do we need for that model? So once we got the subdomain, let's say, or the group of data that that model needs, we start then uh, looking into the organization who is the, the best one, who is the, the, the subject matter expert of this group of data. And and that's how we assign our data stewardship because we started from uh, the beginning, take a a domain and go forward, but uh, it's really difficult to show value to the business. So we attached our data governance program actually to our use cases. And that's how we iteratively with this cycle of gathering consumers and producers, and guarantee, uh, guarantee that information is governed, curated, and shared, we are um, continuously adding value into the to the business.
0: Fantastic approaches, Robert is is mentioning. Awesome session so far. Thank you, Kate. We have a follow up here from Tejbir and he's wondering if you can elaborate on challenges identifying data roles within the data domains. If you had. Those challenges, of course.
2: I think that the, that the challenge, the main challenge, is to to shift old paradigms because what we encounter is that when we let's see, we we have an idea of who is going to be the data steward of this data, right? And when we do the onboarding, to that person, just look at you and say, "What? That is not my role." I have no time in my bio, backlog for that. Why I'm the responsible for, for that activities of data governance, mm-hmm. data management. And actually what, what ends happening is that you start talking with them and actually they create the data, they consume it on a daily basis. So uh, I will ask you the other way around, why do you think you are not responsible for that data? So that again, the, the, I think that the main challenge is uh, change management to shift these old paradigms uh, within the organization just to make that a change with that cultural change in people that everyone is in charge or responsible for data uh, and so we have different like hats to put into the organization depending on the subdomains and the domains that we have
1: i love it whenever i hear about change management my heart yes you changing. are the expert <laughs> here I think that, that, <laughs> is, that, that is uh, <laughs> Basic. Yes, for, for all the transformation, the small and the big ones as well. Uh, a question for both, how was the move and the onboarding to Oval Edge?
2: Okay, i start if you want, Sharad. We actually, uh, at the beginning, start with the POC, with the proof of concept. So we did some workshops just to uh, learn how to use and configure the tool. And after we integrated Oval Edge with Snowflake in our case, that is the tool that we use to, to exposure our, our data, we crawl all the technical metadata and we schedule the, the jobs for data profiling. And I, I, I remember that day literally, because it was really exciting to see all that data coming to Ovalet uh, and all gathered, displayed into the tool it was really amazing. So of course we did some customizations to adapt again, as I mentioned, the tool to our processes, but it was quite simple to, to, to do it. And then we import all the existing data dictionaries, because as I mentioned, we started with Excel. we have also a stage of importing all the existing data into the tool mm-hmm. and after three months of the POC, we did the rollout into production.
0: And the rollout still focused on the snowflake environment?
2: Yes, we, we scale uh, up uh, now we, we are also integrated into Power BI. So we are cataloging our dashboards and, and main reports.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And now we have a plan to, to move forward to another sources, of course.
0: In our curiosity, then all the different data sources that you have internally, you concatenate and you put into a data warehouse format in, in Snowflake. Exactly. And that's where you exactly. consume it from.
2: Actually, behind Snowflake, we have our data lake that it's in AWS, and mm-hmm. then we synchronize at the layer of stage from our data lake into Snowflake and use Snowflake as our tool for exploitation.
0: And that's on a daily basis? Exactly. And Charlotte, of course, uh, Oval Edge can connect to a plethora of platforms as well, not just Snowflake.
3: Yeah, so Snowflake, AWS, SQL servers, and Power BI tableaus and, you know, whatnot. So we have a variety of connectors, which crawls the data from these systems and, and put it into overlay. And so the one thing I would take that in, in that input is that after three months she was live into um, wow. with the real production, right? So that's the, the power of the product because we have seen in many, many enterprises, if you do not use overlay agile product, people have, I, I know that there are Companies waited for a year worth of time without overage to go live with data governance um, processes and something. So mm-hmm. this is the the power of our product, which makes it like crawling exercise is pretty easier. Mm-hmm. Of course, sometimes you get a technical difficulties, frankly speaking, because it's just you, because there's so many environments, there's so many connection behavior. There's so many of those, Snowflake is comparatively easier because this is a standard environment, but if you have a SQL server, if you have a, and if you have Hadoop, for example, in Hadoop itself, you have hundred different way to connect, right? So always there is a connectivity challenge Are there, but generally then we build our support team to, to support that. And, and we are hoping that our support team will be able to make things easier for for our customers to go and make sure that it works for that and then after that it's and then once you have the connectivity established after that is you crawl it and then then you profile it and then you get all this information into one place and uh, you start implementing and rolling out use case by use cases data governance again is not a project it's a program it's a culture it's a it's never ends (laughs) it never ends but it's still but can you go live with few use cases very quickly and then still working on the multiple use cases after use cases after use cases. That's the way of progressive way of moving the data governance rather than putting all the use case at the one and then start colliding it.
0: Absolutely. Do you think uh, we need a, a data governance policy in place? So Subham is wondering here and how is maybe that taken care of? Does that start, does that need to be put in place before you start to invest further in data?
2: I, I, I think yes, that, is, that would be the, the answer. Uh, as I mentioned, we start before the tool, we start defining our framework, and that includes our policies. In our case, our experience, we focus on our data lake and our use cases. With the experience rolling, we in parallel start defining which is going to be our policy which are going the, to be the roles involved there. What can we do uh, and what can we do? Uh, how we are going to classify uh, data? How we are going to control access to, to data lake? So that's how we did it.
0: And, Charlotte I, I wonder, usually all of these things that Lucia mentioned is what a company handles internally or when you're introducing Oval Edge within a, the company, even though it might be... Uh, part of the the pilot do you offer any resources or any recommendations or anything uh, like that
3: so this is something that we have recently built something called academy.overledge.com so anybody have any so we are still in the process of building it there are four i I believe three or four chapters are already there which is like data governance 101 which have nothing to do with our overledge is mostly around like how do you write how do you set up your committees how do you set up your organization govern data governance organization how do you set up the data literacy program how do you set up your your domain how do you identify it so all these information which is which came out actually learning with with implementing at narana and many other customers and is a combination of the practical knowledge i would say that and it's whatever the is c- coming out of academies has been actually implemented at multiple places et cetera et cetera and like really a good a piece of information I have not seen anywhere else. You can see the, like the practical um, knowledge into it, and and we summarize it in a very easy fashion. It's a video format, so people can just watch it and easily. So that is the format we are in the process of creating it right now, because we have seen that customers buying the product first, and then mm-hmm. after that they are putting the policy. They, they realize they don't have a policy, they don't have this one, because it's it's something that people decide. Okay. I, I want to do something because sometimes you need a product to configure all these things. And so they don't want to start in a spreadsheet. They want to start in overlay directly. So they didn't know that much. So that's fine. So you can learn it. And the one thing uh, I also like to say is if you use a standard policies, like for example, PII policies, right? So it's pretty standard. You know, that what the governance uh, rules are, you know, there's the GDPR, there's the CCPA. These are different regulation for privacy policies are yeah. right yeah. so these are pretty standard now like for confidential data in in sales do you know what kind of policies is needed you need to protect your revenue number you need to protect your the roi numbers so, so whatever the numbers you want to protect in the sales side of course there are some financials there is a healthcare industry they all have different kind of the domain which they need to configure it but writing a high level policy is uh, is something you can start small and then you can put details to that as well so mm-hmm. um it's not that the what i've seen is that it's not the policies set percent; it cannot be changed mm-hmm. if the constitution yeah. can be changed then our policies can be changed as well
2: so, we constantly we are constantly updating that policy <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. because everything
2: involves so you so the, the key is, is what, what Sharad said now, don't expect to have first the policy complete 100% and then yeah. start doing things, start doing things. And while you started, you, you start writing down your policies.
0: Great advice. And there's a lot of PII in, in fintech for sure.
1: Yes, I mm-hmm. have a question here from Becca. Do you have any suggestions for protecting PII? Right. I don't know.
0: Or
3: Yeah, so I, I can take that. Okay. So protecting the PII is a crucial element in basically whether you have a snowflake environment, et cetera. So the one is the writing the policy that, okay, what my policy says that, I want like the, one of the confidential data of the PII to be protected, like social security number, email, or maybe the those kind of information. But I am okay to see the sum of the information, like first name, last name, families, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you decide what what is the right way. GDPR actually prescribes you that what you should do it uh, really. So that is the easier way to to do that. You can take the same policy and put it there. And after that, there is a, a in overledge, we have a mechanism to do complete data access management. Which is which is like you configure those security rules, and it goes to go push down into Snowflake. That is a new model which we have developed. Is you develop everything in OverEdge, and then it will go push down into Snowflake. So if the data is in social security number, it will be masked. If it, the data is, and it's, it's a combination of Snowflake and OverEdge combined, because Snowflake also have a capability to to mask those kind of things, and OverEdge basically push down that capability to mask it.
2: So yes, actually. That's the way we are currently doing. We use dynamic data masking uh, in Snowflake. So we write there our policies and apply that policies and that masking to to the, at the column level. But the good thing is that we, we have all classified and identified in college. Uh, I search for all the PAI, sorry, policy that applies. And then I check that all that data actually it's correctly masked and, and the policies are okay.
3: Yeah. So that's the way to do it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Shara, can you visually also see where PII is being used?
3: Yes. So there are reports in available in Overledge where you can run that, okay, give me all the data, which is the PII. So you will Mm -hmm. see that all the data in the PII, and that report is generally needed for compliance, review point of view as well. Mm -hmm. So some of the auditors need that report. So you can Mm -hmm. just develop that report very quickly and uh, give it to your auditors, the, wherever the PII is. Uh, it's, it can be in Snowflake or can be, and the data is Snowflake or in Data Lake is coming from somewhere. It is coming from either from SQL Server or from applications. You have the lineage capability as well to see the where the data is coming from, and you can really also put that also into the system.
0: Sharad William here is wondering how clear is the lineage visual in Oval Edge for a data element that has 50 plus connections because their current product looks like you know spaghetti <laughs> after a certain amount, and it's probably undistinguishable. What I also recommend to Williams to to go and try Oval Edge because uh, you can try for free and really check it out with your own data and see how it would fare for that.
3: So that is this is one of our number one selling feature like lineage because yes it's a 50 thing. It, it doesn't so visually it is we represent at multiple level. So we represent at uh, the schema level, which is okay you can see it at the easy. If we represent at object level which is like table, file report, and we represent at the column level, right? So so it's, it's not everything at one. So we, we, we divide it into these three areas. So when you look at the table level, then you can look at the column level as well. So you are not looking at everything at the column level, but still at the table level, you will see a mostly in production. You would say hundreds of tables are moving out from here and there, but they have a zooming out and zooming in functionality, zoom in, zoom out and see what is there, what is not. And, but the the, generally for lineage, the use case for the lineage is of course, you need to understand one aspect to another aspect. That's one part of it. But most of the time, the lineage is like this particular lineage is used by data engineers to do the impact analysis. A um, lot of our customers do this for impact analysis where they want to know if something is changing at the source, what is the downstream reports reporting? What we have is a way of mechanism of developing a, a kind of a, a, a tool separate, which is not a visual tool, which is a listing tool, which can give you, okay, this is, these are my five element is changing. Give me all the things which is getting affected. And then you can filter it. You can sort it. You can figure it out. What is getting affected because of that, the output of the lineage comes down in a a kind of a spreadsheet kind of system where you can see, okay, this is the things are getting changed, what I need to do it because visually you can only comprehend things, which is, which can be visualized in onto this 14 inch screen or 15 inch screen, right? That's why sometimes the representation need to be visual. Sometimes it needs to be by a spreadsheet kind of interface. So we support both of them and uh, it depends upon the interface to interface, what is right for you to understand that.
0: Thank you, Sherrod. Can mm-hmm. we talk a little bit now that you have used Edge for some time, can we look back and where Naranha X was before, where is it now, how it has improved, anything that stands out to you?
2: Okay. That's a good one. Basically when we started, we have only two data stewards, almost 1000 attributes govern, let's say. Currently, we have uh, 36 data stewards enrolled in our data program, Mm -hmm. and we have almost 65% of our data lake governed. That represents more than 8,000 attributes. Wow! Uh, For us, it's a milestone. (laughs) But that, I, I always say that are the the rough metrics for a data governance program, but we like to see other metrics because our aim is that all company uh, uses data for taking decisions. So we actually, where we monitor is our metrics about our data lake usage. Why? Because if I can guarantee that people are using our data lake, it's because I'm doing uh, the correct things, you know, mm-hmm. people uh, are, are searching and are, are finding what they need. They are using it and they are confident on it. So metrics like, uh, I don't know, active uh, Snowflake uh, users, or how many queries executed I have it per, per day, or uh, which are my heavy users in the company. Mm-hmm. That are metrics that for us make a lot of-
0: And Chandan had- a uh, question that I think you've you've partially answered here. If uh, we can have some insights on scorecard development in-house for core finance sectors, and I'm not exactly sure, Chandan, what scorecard you are referring to. I wonder if it's a data governance scorecard, to which part of Lucia's answer I think suffices. Yes. Right? You you, you you count how many users you have, how many data stewards, how many attributes. And- yes,
2: actually, I-, I wanted to add that that we created a like initiative that it's called data transparency. And what it tends to, to give us is, it's like a BI of BI. It's like we as data governance, we need to know what is happening with our, how our users are using it. So we have a lot of logs out there. I swear there are a lot and we are not using it and we are data. It's okay, come on. So uh, we gather all those logs uh, into our, in a dashboard and we actually have a lot of tracking about what, what is happening in our data. And that other use case that you mentioned to to do impact anal- ana- analysis. We use that information. Like we can see who is accessing, accessing uh, which data object and just say, hey, okay, I will change the name or, or something is going to be uh, changing that table.
0: And then all of this, did you find that it had an impact on the quality of the data?
2: Actually, we have a separate process for data quality uh, because we have a very customized, let's say, uh, data quality measurements. I don't know if you, Sharad, want to, to, to comment what is the roadmap for data quality in OvalEdge?
3: So we, we are still a little bit, I would say not super mature in the data quality, but what we have, we are focusing on in Edge is mostly data quality improvement life cycle, which means that when customer sees a problem in the data quality, they report the problem. Right? Mm-hmm. So when they report the problem, then after that, the data governance team or data quality part of the data governance team can look up at all the issues which they gather because the data literacy is everybody can see the problem. So we are encouraging more people to report the problem in the data. Then after that, once you get the information there, that, okay, these are the issues. Now the objective is find the root cause of it. So the lineage helps them to find the root cause that, okay, the data is actually coming here in the source system. And people are going to report the problem in the data quality at the report level most of the time, because mostly people consume the report. So they report the problem at the report, but the mostly problem is not at the report, mostly problem with the source system, the country code are two: USA and United States, so both are not matching correctly at the reporting level. So that is the problem, right? So when they find at the source system, there is a problem. Then we, again, the ownership has been identified. the Stewardship has been identified. Then they report that they create the backlog for the source people that, okay, these are the problem at the source system and, and you should fix this, correct the country code from USA to United States so that everything is consistent so the report looks perfect okay. and then you fix it. And then after that, you do this complete input and, and then the, the workload can be fixed by the backlogs and then the Jira, the ticket can be created in Jira or ServiceNow or you know whatever the system you are using, you can push down those tickets to them and then they can fix the problem. And then once the problem is fixed, you can fix it. There is a, another approach of generally companies use is in data quality rules. They want to write the rules into that to make sure the data is happening. Mm-hmm. We have the data quality rules in Overlay You can write the rules mostly at the, but we use the source system processing power. So if you have a rule, want to write the rules in snowflake, that is fine because snowflake have a lot of processing power. There's no issue in that. Suppose you want to write a rules on S3, then it is difficult because S3 does not have processing power. You need to be mm-hmm. an engine for doing the process, something spark or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So those are the some challenges I would say that we are coming up with in, in our data quality module part of it. But the rules, if you want to write on the s- systems, which already comes with the processing power, that is easy to write and, and you can do this. And then once the rule failed, then you want to alert somebody, Hey, this particular thing failed. And that you can alert some, some of your user who's the right domain experts or, or to appropriate person, those functionalities are there in the product. But most of the time customers see, oh, I have data in S3. I want to write a rule and and they do not understand that S3 does not have processing power in it and and you need a engine for data quality for writing the processing power. And most of the time, what we are seeing is that IT team mostly are focused too much on the data quality rules, writing. Right. And on the business team, they uh, want to do on data quality improvement life cycle, because they want to report their problem and let it fix it. And mm-hmm. I think, okay, can you somebody pro- proactively tell me that where the problems is coming from so that we see the different kind of use cases emerging in the data quality aspect of things. Again, we are trying to address both of them, but, but I, we have like data quality, which is the, the business team, the data quality improvement life cycle is the key area. Which is which keeps the business ability as well as IT understanding the where the issue is coming from. Because if you fix the root cause of the problem, then the chances of this not happen again. So why you need to protect again and again and again and again, measure it, because it's expensive to, to measure every day. Anything yeah. you want to measure every day and a hope that it will create an alert, it's better to fix the root cause of the problem and not Absolutely. have to do this again and again. So that is where we want we because you Ultimately, you cannot measure each and everything in all dimensions of the data quality. It's just not practically possible right? in, in whether, whatever kind of resources you use. Or your bill of Snowflake will go to a million dollar a year or something.
1: <laughs> uh,
3: because the consumption model, they would love to write every rules in the Snowflake, but you need to put the money also into the, con- I always think the money is a crucial aspect of
0: Absolutely. Uh, you know, every yeah. And a great driver for tackling the root cause, like you mentioned and fixing the issue, not uh, yeah. the effect. And I, I also think that having data discoverability increase and data accessibility increase also puts data quality in the front uh-huh. center a bit more because more people now are aware. Okay. We have a problem here. Let's try and fix it. Exactly. Then
1: Absolutely. We have a question here for... From
0: Kyla, and it's wonderful to see Kyla, the inventor of Edgy.
1: Edgy, <laughs> which is <laughs> the Edge mascot. We love Edgy. So Lucia, how did you uh, prepare to increase data literacy? What processes or practices did you have to prepare beforehand?
2: Okay, perfect. Kyla thank you for the question. As I mentioned, it's not only responsibility for a data governance uh, team. So we, I, I talked about a change management and a cultural change that, that needs to be happening inside the company. So in Nalanja X, we create data that is compulsory for certain key roles in the company and in that data academy, we make sure we have all the training videos So Uh, what is knowledge or what is our data catalog how we use it for what we 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 use it and just to train our users in that culture to make it a habit and as Mm -hmm. you just mentioned that as soon as everyone starts consuming data quality issues will arise but and i always say that uh, this is a community one of the things that we promote is collaboration uh, within the organization so that's another thing that we uh, constantly communicate and ask for our users and consumers, and with knowledge they can do endorsements or put red flags if, if something uh, it, it's it's going wrong. We have a lot of of, of things, it's not only data governance for data literacy. It must we need to have technical training also, mainly in, with our data academy. And we also have what we call data seats. They're data analytics roles that are in the squads, in business squads, just to be with the business and try to cascade on hands-on how to, to use data and take take decisions
1: with data. That's amazing. Yeah. Honestly. Love it. Yes. That, that's a great idea. And thank you very much for sharing this insight. I think it's very valuable.
0: Sahara is mentioning a great solution, uh, loving it. So, Lucia and Sharad, as we're approaching the end of our episode here, do you have any recommendations for companies that are embarking on, on their data governance program or they're aiming to improve the one that they currently have?
2: Yeah, I think that that I, I mentioned during the, the whole session, but I would will, I will love to close with this one. And I, I believe that Diana would love to. But change management has been... I continuously underestimate it. change. It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of motivation. So we need to invest the necessary time and effort to understand what motivates our people.
1: So that's my last message. <laughs> so important. I have one more question. We had the pleasure of meeting the Oval Edge team at at a conference and we love the culture, we love the people their uh, their drive. And I wanted to ask you Lucia how was it to work with what was your experience?
2: Okay, the first thing is that it <laughs> has been a challenge because of two things. Uh, one is because we are a Spanish speaking nation in Argentina, we speak in Spanish and work with the supplier that it's in in India, half in India and half in the United States, it has been a, a, a challenge, but it has been amazing because as you felt it, Diana, they are very good people. I don't know how to explain, but and you feel that they are there for you and to help you. And they really want your data governance program to be a success, not only just install the, the tool and God bless you. So on the timeframes, that, that is another challenge because we have different uh, time zones in, yeah. in India, the United States and Argentina, but everything has been a, a very nice challenge.
0: That's great to hear. And I agree that uh, I think Edge realizes that your success is their success. And they're just also knowledgeable and they bring so much more than the tool, but so much insights and best practices and lessons that they can provide to the people that they're collaborating with. That's that's great to hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for the session no to to both of you. Thank you so much for taking the thank time you, to be here this year, and thank you for for the insights and for sharing so much of your own experience and of your own expertise in, in your company and the best, best practice, and also the experience with Ovaledge. And as always, Sharad, thank you for the insights. Thank you. It was...
3: I believe that hopefully this, this session was quite insightful, even insightful yes. as well, quite a bit. Uh, I learned something new today as well. <laughs> so yes. thank you Lucia for, for the session. My pleasure. Thanks. I really enjoy it. Yeah. It thanks, was... to and, uh, Diana. It was really, um, being is just amazing on this show.
0: This thank really, you as well.
1: Yes, we we have great feedback from the listeners as well. And thank you everyone for being here and for being so engaged and for asking all these questions that led to an amazing discussion. I am really happy with this session and I'm very grateful for both of you for, for being here and for everyone to that you were here as well. I wish everyone a happy weekend. Happy and, weekend. And all thank the you. best. Good luck with everything, with the amazing things that you do. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Have a good Bye. Bye. bye.
2: Bye.